You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, upc.org. I don't know too many of you yet. I'm pretty new to staff. I've only been here about six months. But if you've encountered me in a classroom or in a meeting, you probably already know that my very favorite role is being Emma and Camille's mom. I love being their mom. They're really fun. And you've probably heard me share a story or two about my girls. So I want to assure you that I have their permission to share stories about them. Embarrassing and maybe not so embarrassing. Um, When I first began in ministry, another pastor's children approached my girls who were about eight and 10 and they, the, the kids said, oh, you know, if our mom wants to share a story about us, she gets us a Slurpee after church. And if our mom forgets to ask first, and she has to ask forgiveness after the sermon, then we get a Slurpee and a McDonald's Happy Meal. So it's not really that I've gotten permission, it's more that I've negotiated a deal with my daughters. Um, They are now 19 and 21, and let me tell you, they've upped the ante. A Slurpee will no longer do, so you can be sure that I have their permission. And that said, I'm going to tell you a story about Camille. Camille, my younger daughter, like many youngest siblings, worked hard to keep up with her sister. She was and is a tenacious gal. When she was little, she wanted to do everything Emma was doing. So that meant if Emma was tying her shoes, Camille wanted to tie her shoes. Okay, maybe it looked more like a knot, but she was tying her shoes, right? And if Emma was doing math, Camille wanted to do math. Probably she was scribbling on a paper. She always wanted to keep up and do what she thought she could. My favorite story of her trying to keep up with other people was when she was about four, she was determined that she could drive. Well, why would a four-year-old think they can drive? Well, because we had a beep beep. Now, some of you, you have had or have toddlers in your world, and you know what a beep beep is. A beep beep is a plastic car that a toddler rides on or in. It has a steering wheel, has a horn, hence the name beep beep. And because she could drive that, even though it required Barney Rubble and Fred Flintstone feet to make it go, she was determined that she could drive our car. So this is what I would hear. Oh, mommy, I'm going to drive today. Please give me the keys. Uh, Camille... You know, you're four, you're a little bit young, a little bit small to drive the car. And this is what she would do with both of her hands like this. Mommy, mommy, you're not getting me. I can drive. (laughs) She still occasionally says, mommy, you're not getting me. Well, I think it's funny. And I have to tell you, I sometimes do that with Jesus. I sometimes think I can handle something on my own that I can't. And I live with my hands raised in rejection of his word to me or rejection of his power with me. Peter in our story is doing just that. Jesus says, you're gonna deny me. And Peter goes, no, 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 Jesus, you're not getting me. I'm faithful, I'm the faithful one. That's not gonna happen with me. And how does Jesus respond to Peter? He responds with love and with kindness. He says, Peter, you will fall away. In fact, you're gonna deny me even tonight. Jesus continues to pursue Peter with love. 
Peter is protesting with his hands raised and we see Jesus with his hands open. The night he's betrayed and in his most painful moment on the cross says, Father, not my will, but yours. I wonder if any of you are like me. I mean, I've known Jesus and followed him for 35 years and I still have a hard time taking my hands down from this posture of rejecting and denying to this posture of openness and willingness. I really long to live that way, transformed to be more like Jesus. God's word calls us to transformation in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. I'm gonna read to you the uh, the version of the message. Hear it. May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. Put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. Now, there are lots of definitions of spiritual transformation out there. So let me give you mine that we're going to use for today. Spiritual formation comes by the Spirit of God at work in us. We go beyond simply hearing and observing God's Word. We move to this place where we look for and expect and act upon the Holy Spirit's work within us all day, every day. Holy and whole, we're called to live lives that are integrated, lives of faith and action. So what is it that keeps us from living this way, from keeping Jesus at the center of the story, the center of my story and yours, where he belongs? Simply put, I believe you and I must learn to accept God's full acceptance of us. Jesus' love for us disrupts our denial, our betrayal, our rejection. He continues to pursue us. Jesus is saying to Peter and to you and to me, yep, you're going to make more mistakes. You're gonna deny, you're gonna resist, and I'm gonna pursue you all the way to the cross. Let's look first at the betrayals in the story we heard earlier. The A stories, the bread on the sandwich, Judas and Peter, those point to human failure. Judas' actions, though they are horrific, are redeemed by God. This does not absolve Judas of guilt. We can clearly see that there are both currents of divine foreordination and human free will at work here, and they intersect in this story. The Greek word for what Peter, excuse me, what Judas does is paradidomai. It means he literally took Jesus and handed him over to the enemy. It's a willful act of betrayal. God will redeem the act. This act about which Christ says in a passage, it would have been better for this man never to have been born. And yet God redeems it for God's glory and for our good. Jesus is not surprised 
by Judas' betrayal. Jesus is not surprised by Peter's denial. And Jesus is not surprised by my betrayal, denial, lack of trust, or yours. Judas' betrayal is willful, and Peter's betrayal, his denial, is quite different. With Peter, there are these external factors pressing in on him, and he caves. There's a lapse in his faith and trust, and somehow only hours after he has this encounter with Jesus, Peter has forgotten Jesus' words to him. This is not a story of either or, it's a story of both and. Judas betrays Jesus and Peter denies Jesus and Jesus pursues them with his love. Our betrayals are much more like Peter's, pressed in by the world around us or when pain and suffering intrude on our secure, well-regulated lives, we too forget. We forget that we are God's beloved children and fear replaces our trust, even in those moments. Having looked at the betrayals, I wanna remind you of something that George said to us a few weeks ago. The book of Mark is likely John Mark recording the stories as Peter recites them to him. Think about that for a minute. Peter is confessing this action. He's saying, write it down, I botched it. I raised my hands and said, no, no, no. And then I went and I denied Jesus anyway. I think that that's a gracious gift to us. Because Peter remembers his failure, he recalls who he was and who he is in, as he goes through his life with Jesus. Looking back and saying, I wasn't then who I wanna be and now I follow Jesus more closely. See, Judas' betrayal and Peter's protests are the bookends, the sandwich bread. And there's Jesus right there in the middle. You know, Peter, in the language we used earlier, was blustering and he, you know, he blurts out. But the translators use this phrase in the NIV, emphatically. Peter denies, in fact, no, no, no. It's like a shouting word. The NRSV says vehemently. These are like visceral, visual words. But that kind of language isn't used in Jesus' reply to them. I find that interesting. In my mind's eye, there's a quiet determination in Jesus when he says, this is my body broken for you. You who've just emphatically and are going to deny me in the future. Pressed in by his circumstances, Peter's response is based in fear. Jesus' response is based in love and trust. So what about you and what about me? When do we betray or deny God with our words or our actions? When do we shut him out and resist him? When do we say, Jesus, you're not getting me? When do we respond out of fear, forgetting, as Peter did, forgetting that Jesus is with us every moment, forgetting this table with the bread and the cup? So how do we make this shift in our own lives? How do we go from rejecting our need from God, sure that we can handle it on our own, 
to living like Jesus, who in his darkest hour said, not my will, your will, Father. I believe it all comes down to trust. Jesus' primary understanding of himself was as God's beloved child. When troubles come and he gets weary and the crowds press in, what does Jesus do consistently? He turns back to God. He does this perfectly because he's fully God. Let's not forget he's fully human as well. So how was it that he could constantly live his life like that, connected to God and trusting him? He trusted God's love for him completely and Jesus fixed his attention on God. You probably know the passage from Romans 12 too about our lives being an offering. I read this this week in the message and thought I'd share it with you. I found it helpful. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. There's both action there and passivity, both and. So where do we begin if I'm to embrace what God does for me? If I'm to remember that he's continually pursuing me with his love, I need to practice being attentive. We need to learn to pay attention to who God is and who God says he is, not who I think he is or who you think he is. Who does he say he is throughout scripture? Who does the Spirit tell us he is? The Spirit that lives within each of, one, each of us, who's active and present to us all day. When we miss his powerful presence or his quiet, tender presence because we're inattentive, we miss his glory and we miss his love for us. Our focus shifts from the transcendent God to our own behaviors and actions. Personal responsibility replaces personal response to God. When we become so engrossed in finding our way instead of following God's way, we move into intellectual pursuit instead of opening ourselves to be holy and wholly changed. Our circumstances press in. I want to remind us, our pain is no measure of God's faithfulness. God alone is faithful. His word says it, and I believe it. As I prepared to preach, I did what I always do. I asked friends and colleagues to help me out. And I said, so tell me stories about when you've known God was with you. When did you feel Jesus pursuing you, even if you were in pain or felt pressed in by the world? My friend Kay told me this. She was in Hawaii last summer with her husband and children. And late one night, she walked down to the beach and stood just with her feet so the waves were tickling her toes. She said, I closed my eyes, just ankles deep in the water, and just felt the pulsing of the ocean coming and going. She said, the first time I heard some words, I thought, well, that's odd. She says, I closed my eyes and focused some more, and I heard this, I am not 
against you. She said, I tried to get quieter in my interior and I realized with my eyes closed, I could feel the ocean was getting stronger and the pull was getting harder. The water's now up to my calves, coming forward, pulling back, tugging against me. She said, I heard the phrase again, I am not against you. She said, I I didn't want to rush away from the moment, so I stayed and eventually I heard, I am not against you, I am for you. I am for you. So she said, I took that to heart, went up to the hotel, went to bed. She could not have known that the next morning she'd receive a phone call with devastating news that would alter the course of this whole next year of her life. She said, you know, the Spirit was with me and Jesus was preparing me. Because the next day, when I got that call, my first response was my old response to go, oh, oh, no, no, okay, I got it, I got it. She said, and I realized, oh, no, that word was for me. God knew I would need his presence. I would need to know he's not against me. He's for me. And that has stuck with her throughout this year of hardship. I have had many experiences of resisting and rejecting God. I have also had many experiences of God pursuing me with his love. Seven years ago, I went through a divorce, and as you might imagine, being divorced and being a pastor can be a little bit complicated, right? It's also pretty public, and it's actually a very private matter. So I took a a leave of absence, try to take some time for healing and rest. And in the middle of that time away, there was a memorial for a friend of mine at another church. And so I attended the memorial and looked across the room and there she was, Juanita. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? This senior saint who's direct, kind, direct, and she made a beeline for me across this very, very large sanctuary. And I thought, the first thing I thought was, Lord have mercy. But I stood where I was and waited and greeted her. And I'm so thankful I did. This delicate woman in her mid eighties approached me. She grabbed my shoulders and she looked into my eyes and she said, Courtney, I have a word from God for you. I'm so glad you're here. And she pulled me into a hug And she whispered in my ear and she said, you're gonna be okay. And the girls are gonna be okay. Jesus is with you. I needed to hear that word from God. I needed that reminder. Instead of living in fear, to live in trust because this great God of the universe was with me even in the midst of this really, really hard time. Where in your life do you want to grow in your trust of God? Where in your life are you sensing, oh, I'm resisting, my hands are up, and I want my hands to be open to receive him. Our trust in Jesus grows as we shift from making self-conscious efforts to be good and instead allow ourselves to be loved by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who died on a cross for each one of us. We have some old habits to break 
and we have some new habits to learn. Beginning this fall and throughout the next year, we're going to be offering some classes here at UPC on spiritual transformation. I invite you to prayerfully consider what new habits do you wanna learn? Habits of prayer, habits of study. Come and join us. As we practice new habits, we can be like Peter. We too can tell our story and say, I used to be like this. And now I live like this, embracing all that God has for me. And you know what happens when I tell my story and you tell your story? God is glorified because people discover who he is in our everyday walking around lives. That's where it happens. That's where they observe our faith. That's where we practice trust. You and I will trust Jesus only to the degree that we know we are loved by him. I tell you today, you are deeply and profoundly loved by God. Friends, the torn, broken, and lacerated body of Jesus on the cross is just a little tiny insight to how deeply the Father loves you. Today, as we come to the table, we have the opportunity to discover anew how much we're loved. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back up and they're gonna sing a song for you and I, I hope you will listen. The lyrics will be on the PowerPoint screen if you wanna read along. But this is really the invitation. They're gonna sing after I pray. The invitation is this, to pay attention. Let the Holy Spirit be your guide. Where in your life are you looking at the back of your hands? And where do you wanna go like this? So even as we pray, and as they sing, I invite you to literally open your hands and trust because this great God loves you. He knows who you are. He knows who you're gonna be. He knows what you've done and he loves you. So if you're willing, close your eyes, open your hands and join me in prayer. God, your word says to your people, I have made you, I will carry you. I will sustain you and rescue you. I will disrupt your betrayal with my love. God, thank you that you have pursued us all the way to the cross, all the way to your resurrected life, seated at God's right hand. Jesus, you are good and you are present to us. So as only you can do, speak to us with your love and your tenderness. Help us to see that you're pursuing us with grace that though we scattered like sheep, you, the shepherd, will call us home. May we open our hands and open our hearts to you even today. Amen. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.